Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. Good morning. The reading for this morning comes from John chapter 6, verses 60 to 68. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, This is hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, Does, it, does this offend you? Then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit and life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. He went on to say, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You do not want to leave too, Jesus asked the twelve. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Thanks, David, and good morning. Good to see you all again. I was here last week just up at Taramara, so I missed you all, and uh, it's just good to be back. They're having a great time up there, like we say every week, wish they could wave to you, and we had a great time last week. If you missed my email, we had two new families alone up there at our Taramara location and uh, 13 kids, which for a church that uh, about... Oh, 10 to 12, 14 weeks ago, I had a couple of kids running around. That's a big thing for them. So we're just amazed at what God is doing. And you can catch up on that story in our newsletter as to what we're up to as a church. If you're a guest with us this morning, uh, I'm Sam, one of the team here. And it's great to be sharing with you this morning. I've been wondering, have, have you ever had an unfollow moment? An unfollow moment. I'll, I'll, give, you, I'll give you an example. There was an aspiring actor and... Uh, he was homeless, as sort of most aspiring actors almost are most of the time, right? And in fact, it was so bad, he, he slept a couple of nights in a New York bus station. And at one point, it, it gets, he got so low that he had to sell his dog to a bottle shop owner for $25. That's how bad things got, just so he could have bread and food. And, and not long after that, he sees a, a boxing match between Muhammad Ali and Chuck Wepner, and it gives him the inspiration that he's going to write a script for a movie. And so he starts writing this script for a movie. In fact, he does it in 20 hours straight. Just the whole thing comes out. And he starts trying to shop this script around, and eventually he, he hits it big. Uh, one of the studios is going to give him $125,000 for his script, which for a homeless actor, I'm thinking, take it, take it. Um, but he didn't because he wanted to be in the movie. And they thought he sounded funny and looked funny, so he wasn't allowed to be in the movie. And so the deal went. And the studio sat on it for a few more weeks. They came back to him again. They said, we'll offer you $250,000 for it, but you can't be in the movie. And he wanted to be in the movie. So that one went. The offer gets up to $350,000. And he's saying, I must be in the movie. Uh, then they go away from it. Finally, as the studio, maybe they were just trying to play a joke on the guy, but the, the studios then eventually relented and said, fine, you can be in the movie, but you're going to get $35,000 for the script. And that's it. And so the question I'm thinking is, 
what would you do in that situation? Would you, would you unfollow the dream in that moment? <laughs> would, would you have an unfollow moment? Because unfollow moments are this. Unfollow moments is that moment when you feel that tension of, of, of all that you're dreaming of and, and moving towards uh, feels such a resistance that it feels so great that you think, you know what, I, I just can't take this anymore. I give up. And I wonder, I wonder what would have happened if this actor had have given up. Because if, if you haven't, anyone guessed the movie yet? Loretta, Heath, Rocky, you get a gold star. For, of course, you know, um, it, was, it was Rocky, Sylvester Stallone. And, and I constantly think about what if, what if he had have had an unfollow moment? What if he had have given up? What if um, history would have missed such just dramatic... Nuanced. <laughs> Script and cinematography. <laughs> you know, um, smart St- Sylvester Stallone, $35,000, but he said, I get to keep the, the, the royalties. That movie grossed $1.04 billion. <laughs> Have you ever had an unfollow moment? And they may not be as big as that. They always normally start in, they start in smaller scales. You have them, you, have the, you probably had them when you grew up, you know, where, where mum and dad made you go on a bushwalk, you know, the West Head or somewhere, and, and you feel like you've been going for ages and you just get, your legs are so tired as a kid or maybe you're at the Easter show or walking around the shops and, and you see kids have unfollow moments all the time. They have them right in the middle of aisle number five at Woolworths. <laughs> And then they get bigger and bigger, particularly when it comes to things like church. You have unfollow moments. You persevere. Someone hurts you. Someone stings you. Life gets hard. You push against that resistance that Andrew was talking so wonderfully about last week in following Jesus, that we said following Jesus is just a series of baby steps week one. And then Andrew wonderfully taught us that what you then find as a follower of Jesus is as you take these baby steps, you inevitably find at some point there's there's this resistance that comes against you and, and, and you follow and you, you try and do the right thing by following Jesus, but you feel that resistance. And so what I want to talk about this morning is this. What happens when that resistance, that pushing ahead, all that you're striving towards in seeking to faithfully and obediently serve Jesus, what happens when you get to that point where you are thinking, Lord, you know what, after all that is happening to me, it's too much. And you're tempted to unfollow. To wrap up, we're going to talk about a, an extraordinarily important question, and it comes from Peter in this passage. And it is a wonderful question to use if you're in that space. And I believe there are people that are in that space this morning. By the way, if, if you're not in that space, you will be. It'll happen, right? Some of you have already been in that space and through that space. But Peter gives us an extraordinarily important question to, to dissolve that tension that we feel in the unfollow moment. And to, to get it, I want to take us back to that scene of that passage. Uh, what we read from is, is a scene just after Jesus has fed the 5,000. You know, that neat little trick that he's done where there wasn't enough food and he multiplies the loaves and the fishes and he feeds 5,000 people. 
And so as a result, Jesus is the hottest thing in town and everyone is following him for a good meal. It's the literal gravy train. They are like following him all around the countryside in order to get more bread and more fish. And so he then moves away from that context down to a town in called Capernaum on the Sea of Lake Galilee. You can Google map it. It's there. Uh, it's still there. I was there a couple of years ago, a beautiful th- little place on the side of Lake Galilee. The site where Andrew preached from last week that Jesus called the fall. So it's a significant place in this series, at least. And he's there and he uses this opportunity to have some creative teaching because he could sense what these guys are on about. A bunch of people have come from this crowd. They're trying to stir things up. They're trying to stir a little bit of trouble. They're a little bit self-interested in it all. And Jesus picks what their heart motivation and all of this. And so he starts to talk like this. John six fifty three to 54, and then Jesus says to them, Very truly, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. And whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. Does that make any sense to you? It, it, didn't, it didn't to them. And, and I, could, I could almost imagine the poor disciples, as this is like third year into Jesus' ministry. They've been following him around the countryside. Now they're up in northern Israel. And Jesus has just fed 5,000 and he comes up like this. I can imagine the disciples probably feel like one of Donald Trump's minders when he goes off script a little bit. You can imagine Peter's sort of side stage like, Jesus, stick to the teleprompter. Just the three-point script that we had. Bread, fish, more where that came from. Romans, be victorious. Just stick to the talking points, Jesus. You can, he's like, get this guy off. What is he on? Matthew tells some tax collector jokes. You can just do anything. To... <sighs> and so as a result, on hearing this, goes on to say, the disciples said, this is hard teaching. Who can accept it? And the Greek word for accept there is scleros, where we get the, the, the English word sclerosis from. What it literally means there in, in this passage is not that his teaching was hard to understand or comprehend intellectually. It, it means literally we can't take this. This is hard to apply. Isn't that true of Christianity? <laughs> I think just about 90% of what we preach in this place is easy to understand. It's just very hard to apply. And so it, 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 presses, it presses in on this. And so that's why Jesus senses this. And that's why he says, I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. And then he says, and here's the clincher of the verse. And then we're, we're told in, in John's gospel, from this time, many of his disciples, side note, like a hundred and something disciples. When we think disciples, we think just the 12. No, there are hundreds of disciples, followers, methetes then. Hundreds of them turned back and no longer followed him. And the verse, it helps me understand in leadership on many different occasions, the loneliness of leadership because Jesus himself turns to his closest bunch and he says to them, you don't want to leave me too, do you? And boom, there it is. There's the unfollow moment. <laughs> like the movement of Jesus up until we get into Acts and the rest of it, the, the, the movement of Jesus does not come back from this. They're gone. They're scattered. <laughs> People are done. That's it. You've said one verse too far, Jesus. That's it. And, you know, when I think about it, 
unfollow moments are, are never just a verse or a saying or a moment, are they? Unfollow moments, are, they're actually a series of moments that continue to stack and to stack and to stack on top of each other until you eventually get to the point where you go, too hard, I give up. And you've probably, you've probably been there when you've felt this, that, that at times constantly following Jesus can be inconvenient at best, costly or even embarrassing. You've been in those moments where uh, you get cast out of social circles mysteriously. People ghost you because they discover that you're a Christian and they feel weird around you now. At the tougher end of the spectrum, you're you're in business and in order to follow Jesus, you make honest decisions and the best case is that you lose your job. The worst case is you lose your career. There are people in this church that have lived that. There there are people in situations with relationship where God is prompting you to either stick it out or get out. And it's never just one moment. It's a a series of moments that keep stacking and stacking and stacking and stacking and you get to that tension where you feel so lonely and so alone because you think no one else can get what you're going through and you're terrified of raising it at church because people won't think that you're a person of big faith and you don't want to say anything about it. And then Peter... Peter shows us something wonderful. Isn't it, isn't it comforting to understand that the disciples back then felt exactly the same way? In fact, here comes the question. Here comes the question, the powerful question that Peter asks. Here it is. It's in, in verse 68, the question that dissolves all of this. Lord, to whom shall we go? He's in, he's, Peter's, Peter realised, and it's profound what he realises in this. The principle of all of this is quite profound. Peter realises this, to actually, to actually walk away from Jesus to, is, is actually to walk away to something else. In fact, you never actually ever unfollow anything. We are always following someone or something and to unfollow Jesus is to simply follow something else. And that's why it's the power of Peter's question because what Peter is really asking here behind this question is he's saying, if, if the thing I really want to follow, Jesus, is that, is that worthy of following in comparison to you? Can you see that? That's what he's really... Lord, life is, life is confusing. I've followed you for three years. I don't know what you're on about. You're saying crazy stuff. The crowd's going to turn on us. We could probably die. I think I'm out of this. I want to go with them. But I, is, going, is going with them better than going with you? Then he reasons out loud with himself, which is quite hilarious. I sort of figure if... If you're going to try and get one over Jesus and have a bit of an argument, don't, don't, like give him, don't argue yourself back into it out loud because that's what he does. If you continue to read through the passage, he says, you know, to Lord, to whom shall I go? And then he says, but, you know, when I come to think about it, you're the one who has the words of life. In other words, I've been with you and I've heard you and I've watched people respond to your teaching and I've seen the way that you spoke to that person and I've seen the way that you absolutely turned them upside down in the Pharisees and the argument there and there is something just in my spirit that I can't get away from, Lord, that you are something else, dare I say, supernatural. There's his first argument. He's thinking about it. 
Then on top of that, keeps going, digs himself a bigger hole. And then he says, you know, now to think about it, we have come to believe that you are God. You, it's, you are confusing me. Life's confusing. I'm scared. But you know what? I was with you when you performed that miracle. And I was with you when you healed that person. And I was with you when I was handing out the fish and the loaves. I've seen, I've touched that stuff. And you know what, Jesus, as confusing as all of this seems, all of that is too real and too tangible for me now to turn back. <clears throat> By the way, followers... Christians, don't you hate that tension? I hate that tension. If you've known him long enough, as many of us have in this place, you're so stuck. I love the way that Peter felt it the same way too. We're terrified about where we're going to go. We don't think there's any way out of where we're going to go, but you know what? We know too much of him. He's been too faithful. He's turned up too many times. There's been too many moments in our life in which he's come through for us. I can't go back. And so that's where he asked the powerful question. Here it is, to whom shall I go? You're going to say it with me. You're going to, you're going to participate. <laughs> you ready? After three, one, two, three. To whom shall I go? Now, you can preach the sermon. That's, <laughs> that's it. If that's, all, if that's all you get from today, that's all I want you to take away. In, in, in other words, if it's, if it's not Jesus, then Who? And if it's not Christianity, then what? Now, I'm, I'm not trying to pretend that I can sort of answer all of the deep wrestles that you might be having with faith and with life and your situation in, you know, it's, it's such a short period of time and, and such a simple question, but it's, it's a powerful question. And one of the problems with that question is, or just in questions. Have you noticed like questions... Questions can be a great thing and God can handle questions and God is up for questions. But, but certainly amongst our younger generation now, I'm noticing as a pastor that we're, we're entering a season of society where young people just question everything. In fact, some of you are saying, you know, young people questioned everything in the 50s too. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we're now getting into a, a season of life where it, it's cool to question stuff. And it's cool never to put your feet down and to make a decision. As long as you're asking the question, then that's all that seems to matter. And to get into this vicious cycle of constantly asking questions, and the problem with that is that questions always ultimately cause confusion. Whereas considering options, and there's a big difference than asking questions and considering options, considering options brings clarity. To whom shall I go? Peter's considering an option. And so what I want to set up for us is, Three common life contexts that give rise to unfollow moments so that if you are asking a lot of questions, maybe you can self-determine that you're in the middle of one of these and maybe it can calm you a little bit. But at the same time too, I want to set these up so that when you move into these seasons of life, it doesn't surprise you and you can see them for what they are. You see, the first one is transition. Transitions always have the uh, propensity to cause an unfollow moment. You, you think back. You can, can you remember a, a time in your life when you had a, a large life transition? I don't know, maybe, maybe you left home or you were out of home or you, you left school or you went to university and suddenly you, you, maybe it's you leave church 
and you, you move into, in, into this, this, this in-between period where you leave your old system behind and you're into something new. And, and the temptation in transition seasons is always to abandon your root system. I'm trying to learn how to get good at gardening. I don't know how many years now that I've sort of been talking about trying to garden well, but, but something I noticed a while back, we had to plant some hedging trees at home and, and the guy, as he was getting the plants off the back of the truck, he, he said to me, and some of you might know this, he, he said, what, whatever you do, you've, you've got to be absolutely careful with the root system. Does that sound like sensible gardening, Wendy? Yes, thank you. <laughs> Authorities over there. Like it's the, don't worry about the leaves, don't worry about the size of the thing, it'll work itself out later. Whatever you do, don't wreck the root system. And so what I'm saying to you is when you move through a season of life in a transition, if you're in the midst of it now, don't wreck the root system. I'm amazed at how many people, particularly young people, when they go from, from school to university um, or they go from youth into young adulthood, they abandon the root system of the faith that they've always grown up in because they think, oh, it's just, that was just mum and dad's thing. And, and by the way, sometimes that's a healthy thing to examine your root system. They also say, right, Wendy, that you know, sometimes from time to time you just got to hit a little bit of soil out of the roots, just clean them up a little bit, make sure they're all okay. You know, sometimes you've, transitions provide a great opportunity to do that. Uh, but don't abandon your root system in the middle of transition while you question. Question, but don't abandon your roots. So there's transitions and there's trouble. Trouble's another life context that can give rise to an unfollow moment. Because when there's trouble, we doubt. And doubt, doubt is always simply when your life circumstances cause your heart to feel different from what your head knows to be true. Does that make sense? I'll say that again. Doubt is always when your life circumstances cause your heart to feel different from, your head, from what your head knows to be true. As you go through um, trials and health scares and financial situations, your head is constantly reading the promises of God that he's good and faithful and that he has plans for you and he'll look after you and, yeah, you'll have trouble, but he's overcome the world. But that's not what it feels like back here, right? To trouble, trouble always gives rise to potential unfollow moments because doubts arise. Now, the thing with doubts, now don't miss this, the thing with doubts, and I want you to hear this from me up front now, on record, on the podcast, it's okay to doubt. In fact, it's a really healthy thing to doubt. Doubts are like faith antibodies. You know, if, 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 if you allow a little them, a bit of them into your system, um, they can help you grow stronger. If you allow too much of them into the system, they'll kill your faith. And you know this to be true because you do this every winter. You do exactly the same process scientifically. You, you go and do a thing that's called getting vaccinated. And what happens in vaccination? You inject you stupidly inject something that you know in big enough doses will kill you, but you do it in small enough doses so your body can fight it, process it, wrestle it out, and as a result, grow stronger. So it's okay to doubt because doubts are the very thing that allows you to grow your faith stronger. And in fact, hear this too, doubt, doubt is never a lack of faith. In fact, doubt is a lot of faith just in the alternative if I doubt that you can jump 12 feet in the air, standing jump, it means that I've got a firm belief that you can do less than six. See how it works? And so all I say when you doubt is doubt your doubts. 
wrestle them out. Look at the underlying faith assumptions and the faith that you do have into the alternative of the thing that you're concerned about. Does that make sense? (laughs) You can re-listen. I'll post you the notes. Trouble. Just know it's okay to doubt. God will work it out through the Holy Spirit. The last one's temptation. Temptation always is the potential for an unfollow moment. It's like it's like like what I did when I went went to went to Canada. You know, I'd grown up in a Christian home, and Mum and Dad had raised me well, and they they raised me that you save yourself for marriage, and 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 that the marriage is you know just a covenant relationship between man and woman, and you save yourself for that. And then, like every other twenty three year old, I thought, great, the minute I can get away from home, I can go nuts. Thankfully, to end the story, well, we don't have time to get into it all. <laughs> Needless to say, um, the first Saturday that I turned up in Canada, my working holiday, get away from home, get away from Northside, go crazy. I turn up, get all doled up. My wingman there, Damo's there. Let's go out, let's hit the nightclub. He says, I don't do that anymore. We're going to church. <sighs> what are you talking about? He's like, I've become a Christian. So just my luck in the midst of all of my temptation that God still had a plan for how all that was going to work it out. But here's, here's the whole principle. Here's what, here's what temptation is. Temptation is always the perceived insufficiency of Jesus. It's always the perceived insufficiency of Jesus. Temptation is always, it's not, not necessarily the devil running around you doing all sorts of stuff, although he's got a big part in it. But it's simply at that moment in time when we are faced with good things and wonderful things, sex and money and power and beauty, it's when we're faced with these things that we perceive that Jesus himself is not enough. And whenever we move into that space, that's when we're tempted to unfollow. So, transition, trouble, Temptation, all of those things, if you haven't hit them yet, some of you are like, bingo, already been there. If you haven't hit them, you will hit them. That's why it's so important to understand what type of season of life you're in. If you're not in them, they're going to come at some point in time. But know where you sit within that because you will ask questions. Where's God? Why is God doing this to me? How am I going to get through this? How can there possibly be a plan for me in all of this? You will ask questions. But it's so vitally important to bring your questions to God because he can handle them. But to not abandon your faith because you've got questions. It's a mistake to step away from Jesus just because you don't have an answer to them right there and then. For me, it looked like this seven seven years ago now, I think, yeah. I suffered from a, a terrible condition called 30-itis. 30-itis, it's, a, it's, it's sort of like the new midlife crisis just fractionally earlier it's like a third life crisis I went through a third life crisis 30 itis and um and I started to question a whole lot of things I started to question my faith I was in ministry I'd been here for five years Kristen and I had just been married I was worrying about the big picture in life and and I, I was at that I was at, at that crossroads, really, I think what 30-itis for me was, it was really now in hindsight and in light of this message, 30-itis for me was my unfollow moment. 
where I realised that I was at that crossroad, that, that I still had the option if I bailed out now out of ministry to, to follow my old accounting path and head back into the corporate world and work that through. But, but I was on this crossroad of realising that, that that was the point where I, I knew that I really felt that God was calling me into a lifetime of ministry and service for him and what all of that looked like. And as I stared into that, I'll be honest with you, it scared me. I didn't want to do it. It didn't, it didn't sound comfortable and it didn't look that flashy. And there's lots of great things about it. But, but there was a sense in which I had the option to unfollow that call and, and just pursue temptation. <laughs> the things that are good things and wonderful things, but not the things I believe that, that God was calling me to do. And if I was real about it, it was just I felt like it, it, could, it could cost me too much in doing all of that. That maybe, I, maybe, maybe I wouldn't earn what I was thinking I was going to earn and maybe I wouldn't live where I was going to live and maybe I wouldn't have the stability that I thought I had. But you, you know what the clincher for me was in that moment? It was never about what the cost of following him was going to be. It was ultimately down to this question and it was, what's the alternative? And I thought too, you know, Salvation's free. The gift of eternal life is free this morning. You can have it for free. Just put your faith in Jesus Christ. But following Jesus, following Jesus will always cost you something, whether you're a minister or not. And, and, and that's why people all the time, when, when they're here and they're checking out Christianity, they're saying, well, I don't know, will Christianity work for me? Do I have to serve? Do I have to give? Do I have to give this up? Do I have to do that? Do I have to be disciplined here? Will it cost me something? Yes, it'll cost you something. But of course, last time I checked, anything good in life costs you something. So really the whole, the whole summary of the process for me, and maybe it is for you, is that I came to realise that the real question is, you know, as Dallas Willard put it, or maybe he was just paraphrasing Bonhoeffer when he said, it's, it's not about the cost of discipleship, but it's about the cost of non-discipleship. <laughs> it's not about the cost of following Jesus. The real question is, what's the cost of not following Jesus? You know, I look at faces all around this place this morning, and I know your stories. And that's why I'm so grateful for an intergenerational church, because how many times have we sat by hospital beds together? Or how many times have you been through a battle with cancer? Or how many times have some of you been through a financial crisis? And after all of that pain and all of that agony, for you to still be able to turn around and say, you know, but Sam, but if it weren't for my faith in Jesus, I don't know how I could have survived. What's your alternative? To whom shall you go? There's a story of someone in recent years. Here, one of our, I'll sort of, Keep it broad because she, she may well listen in. But um, one of our people here, she's been going through a faith crisis in, in recent year and a bit, a big faith crisis. And as um, Kristen's been processing with her, uh, we've been wondering that question, how, how can you spend your life growing up in church and then suddenly bang, you know, hit into a, into a faith crisis? And her response was something quite pr- profound. She said, oh, I, I'm not... I'm not doubting the existence of God. She said, my faith crisis is I, I can't come to grips with the belief that when I die, I cease to exist forever. What's the alternative? What I love about that is, is someone 
Someone who is rigorously pursuing and considering what the alternative is. It's a wonderful way to doubt. (laughs) Wonderful way to doubt. And I'm sure there are lots of closet doubters around church at the moment that are having those sorts of questions. And it's okay. It's okay because I believe by the Holy Spirit it will make you stronger. To whom shall you go? If not him, who? And if not Christianity, then what? How can you be absolutely sure? How can you be absolutely sure that if you are not following Jesus, what you really are following, because we are all following someone or something, how can you be absolutely sure that it's going to stand up at the end of time? (laughs) Jesus is the only one. When you follow him, will free you. And if you fail him, will forgive you. Everything else, Rocky, scripts, career, fame, the rest of it, there's multitudes of quotes you can read from people who say that won't stack up. But there are multiple people and plenty in this room that tell you, that will tell you that Jesus will. He's the only person that could do that. Transition, trouble, temptation, they, they create questions. But consider the options. To whom shall I go? Let me finish with this. I had an unfollow moment when I was about four or five, as most four or five-year-olds do. I think dad had um, told me to clean my room or do something like that. And, you know, it was, it was an unfollow moment. It was probably a series of things. It's probably, it was probably, you know, eat your dinner and clean your room and brush your teeth. You know, you never just have an unfollow moment. It's probably a whole range of things that stuck up and, and, and stacked up. And so I, I decided that, you know, I'm taking things into my own hands. So I packed my little backpack, had my backpack in my room. I thought, I'm going I'm to gather up everything I own, gather up everything I own, which was like a pack of colouring pencils, and Ted. <laughs> and little Ted over the top of my backpack, and I thought, I'm going to show him who's boss. And so I did. I got in there, and I, I walked out that door, and I walked straight out that door, and, and I walked all the way down to the end of, end of the driveway. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and, and I sat at the end of that driveway. <laughs> I show him who's boss. And as I looked up to the top of Gertrude Street, um, that, that, just, that just felt scary. You know? <laughs> I started to take a few steps, but that felt scary. But I was going to show him who's boss. And in that unfollow moment, um, there, there I was. And the, funniest, the funny thing, I, I look back on all of it now and I go, in that moment, maybe subconsciously, um, there was a safety in that space. I could probably still hear the clink of all the dishes being washed up that night. You hear his voice, my siblings. Probably could see Ted because I'm like sitting in the glow of our big front glass lights, (laughs) sitting in the glow of the house. You know, there are some of of you who are like that four to five-year-old this morning. There are things that you're facing. And there's been a whole series of moments that's been stacking up. You're saying, God, you know what? I've had enough. I'm going to show you. I'm out of here. Maybe there's, maybe there's some of you this morning who have already had that moment and you've walked out the door and you think that's it and you've shown him who's boss and you've really shown him and you've gone your own way and then somehow in the mystery all of this a friend's invited you or you've looked this up on the internet or you've thought, I'm going to give Christianity one more go this morning. Can I suggest to you, you have not run away as far as you quite think. <laughs> all of this, you still sit within the sound of the clinking plates and the glow of home. And all I can say to you this morning, if that is you, is just, just come home. Just come home. 
you know, and sure enough, when I did, I turned around and walked in. I'm sure there's loving arms at the front door there and being a parent now myself, I'm sure there was probably a cheeky smile right there. <laughs> and then he probably still told me to clean up my room, brush my teeth and go to bed, <laughs> which is true of Christianity as well when he welcomes you in. <laughs> there's grace, but there's also work to be done. But all I want to say to you this morning is if you're in that space of all of those unfollow moments, all I need to ask you is what is your alternative? To whom shall you go? Let's pray. Well, thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to find out more about Northside, visit northsidechurch.org.au.